for our eighth wedding anniversary, I bought Askea a really nice digital SLR camera. We were about a month away from, from having Jaden in our life, and, and our old digital camera was just uh, not going to cut it. You know, you'd press the button and you'd have to wait like three seconds for it to actually take the picture. And, and the memory card on it was, was small and, and, it, and it just was not performing to mama's liking. And so I thought, hey, you want, let's, let, let's get something a little bit nicer so we can take nice pictures of our new baby and uh, some, some, some nice pictures of our family. And, and, and all, all this was, gonna, was coming together nicely. And so we, I, I, got, I found this, uh, this great deal and we got a, a, a nice camera and it had this amazing Zoom lens. Isn't it interesting how, uh, how, 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 how you can get like, such detail with certain zoom lenses where, where obviously you, know, you can be far away and you can zoom in like you're real, like up close with whatever it is. And, and it helps us get a closer look at things that are just out of our reach. You know, when, when you have it uh, all the way back, you can maybe get this, this huge, this, this beautiful span of the skyline and this, you get kind of this wide angle of everything, but you can also zoom in real close. And as it shrinks your, your, fo- your field of vision, it helps you zoom in and, and see particular detail in things that you weren't able to see from the wide angle. A few years back, we were on vacation with the Skaya's family in the mountains of North Carolina. And, and while we were there, uh, we, were, we went to this one national park in, in the area. And this, this national park was reintroducing elk to their animal population. The elk had been there, but had pretty much uh, mostly been killed off or, or chased away. And, and, and they were beginning to reintroduce elk to the, 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 the park population. And so we were driving through one day and, and seeing the different stuff. And we came to this place. I, th- I think someone probably had to stop to go to the bathroom. And there's this, you know, this bathhouse. And, and then there's this, this, open me- this open meadow, this open field. And we look, I looked off in the distance. And I saw like two or three or four just beautiful elk, huge racks, just huge, beautiful animals off in the distance. I had a couple options, right? I could uh, uh, grab my phone and get as close as I can. Like, you know, get all like Steve Irwin. Like, She's a beaut. Right, get down there and take a picture. Or I could use the zoom uh, feature on my camera phone. Uh, well, while getting close would be awesome, you know, seeing how tall they are compared to me. Or, but but I, I, you know, and maybe even get to 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 to, to see how how their coat felt, how their. Uh, uh, but I, I felt, if I got close close to, maybe I'd spook them and chase them off. Maybe I'd scare them and, and they would come and like trample me and, and I, I might be tall, but I'm not very strong. And I'm like, I, I don't want to frighten the animal. And so I kept my distance and I zoomed in and took a couple pretty good pictures of, of the elk. You see, that's, that's how Jesus lived his life. He, he saw the crowds, right? Matthew writes for us, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. He saw the crowds. He had this wide angle view of humanity and he saw us and he had compassion because he saw that the people of the day were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. But not only did he have a wide angle lens, he also would zoom in on the one. He'd zoom in on the one. He'd, he'd, he'd be able to, to single out the one need, the one person who truly needed him. And sometimes we need to begin to view the world the same way. See, there's only one person can only do so much for a crowd. It's almost like a pebble in the ocean, right? It barely registers a ripple. 
But while Jesus loved the world, he had compassion on the crowds. But the real impact of his ministry was in how he could focus on the one over the many. See, sometimes we get so overwhelmed by the size of the need that we don't know where to start. So we just kind of freeze and stop, right? You know, we see this huge need and we're like, what can I do? There's not much that I can do to begin to, to move the needle in that particular area. And so we look out upon a world that is lost and apart from God and we see how much it's gone off the rails and we begin to wonder, where do I start? Where can I begin to make a difference? Is it in the schools? Maybe we just need to pour our efforts into schools and find ways to help impact students and meet them where they're at, meet them where they are, and help them navigate the changes in life. Maybe we need to focus on places that need economic development. Maybe it's just that the economic disparity in our world has become so great that they can't hear the gospel because of the needs in their life. Maybe it's in racial reconciliation. Maybe it's in helping with the addiction problem in our area. Maybe it's with children and with families. Where do we begin? The list could go on and on. And it leaves us paralyzed because we don't know where to start. Sometimes it's just easier to stay tucked away in our safe spaces than engage and meet people in their places of need. And so over the next few weeks, as we start this new series We're going to see that Jesus didn't stay in his safe space. We're going to see that Jesus got down and dirty with certain people. He met them where they were. He met them in their time of need. He didn't require them to get cleaned up. He didn't require them to get their life right, life straight. As he went through life, not only did he have a wide-angle view for the crowds, but he also had a zoom lens to meet people where they are, to zoom in for the close-up. And he could see and he could meet the need on the spot. And nowhere do we see that better than in our text today. If you would, turn with me to, to Luke chapter 8. Uh, we're going to look at verses 40 to 56. As Jesus is, uh, let me set the scene for you. Jesus has had, had kind of a busy uh, last 12 hours or so. Uh, the, the day before, he uh, gets in the boat with his, his disciples, and they begin to make their way across the Sea of Galilee. And as they get a, go across the sea, Jesus is catching a little bit of a nap. Jesus has been busy. He's, he's tired. He's like, I'm going to, you know, and, you know, he's just being rocked to sleep by the waves. And, and as they make their way across, all of a sudden, a storm uh, shows up. A storm kind of appears, and, and this storm just completely begins to rock the boat. The boat is, is, is the, 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 even the fishermen in this boat are afraid that the boat is going to capsize, and they're going to drown. And so Jesus is chilling in the back of the boat. He's sleeping, and the disciples go and go, Jesus, don't you care for us? Can, can you wake up and, and take care of us? And Jesus is like, what? Peace be still, and the storm is silenced. The waters are still, the winds calm down. They make their way across to the other side of the lake. And when they get over there, it is dark now. And as they come on shore, uh, they are greeted by the local uh, welcoming committee. And that is a demon-possessed man uh, who is uh, described in some uh, of the Gospels as like naked and bleeding because he's like cutting himself with rocks. He is, he, he's not a sight for sore eyes, right? So he's a nude dude in a rude mood and he shows up and, 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 and Jesus heals him. And you would think that's a nice thing, right? Hey, he, he heals this guy who's in, who's in, in major need, and, but 
the power that Jesus has to cast out that demon will kind of freaks the locals out. And the locals like, Hey, um, you don't have to go home. You just can't stay here. And so they send Jesus back home. And so they've sail all the way back across the lake overnight. And as they appear on shore in Capernaum, day is just beginning to break. And the sun's come over the horizon. The crowds are already starting to gather on the seashore. And there as the boat is, is pulled up, Jesus and the disciples land. And this is how Jesus is greeted. Says, now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a, a, a synagogue leader came and fell at Jesus' feet pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12 was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and and touched the edge of his cloak. And immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. And When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that because power has gone out from me. And then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. And then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and he said, your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. So when he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except for Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. And meanwhile, all the people were were wailing and mourning for her. And Jesus said, stop wailing. She's not dead, but asleep. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. He took her by the hand and said, my child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. And Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. Gets back to the shore. It's been, uh, it's been a busy uh, few hours. In fact, it's been kind of a hectic last 12 hours or so as he's made his way across the, the, the lake and made his way back and had to perform not one, but two miracles, right? He had to calm the, the, the sea, had to calm the storm. Had, he heals this demon-possessed man. And when he makes it back to their side, there was a crowd there and they were expecting him. You know, it's, it's like, they're like, okay, well, Jesus is going to be landing here in about you know, a half hour. You know, they, they began to get, how, how, did they, how were they to expect him to return? But you can imagine, it's like almost like those classic pictures, of like when the, the Beatles like first came to America, right? Their, their plane lands, and like all, all the fans are there. They're just, you know, it's, it's like when a, 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 you know, next week after the Super Bowl, you know, uh, when the team flies home, everyone is going to be there to greet the winning team. They want to see the, the team as they, they want to celebrate with the team. And so as Jesus comes back, I mean, the, 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 the seashore is just crowded. It's just packed with people. 
And you can almost see that maybe uh, one of the disciples uh, jumps out of the boat and begins to help uh, bring the boat ashore. And he's like trying to s- scatter the people a little bit so Jesus can step out of the boat, step out onto, onto dry land. You know, maybe, maybe it was one of the, like, an unnamed disciple. His job was to, to go ahead and to kind of part the waves just a little bit so that Jesus had a little bit of space to be able to get out of the boat. People were just wanting to catch a glimpse, maybe even be recognized by Jesus. Jesus calmed the, sore, the, the, the sea. He's, he's healed the demon-possessed man. He's, he, he comes ashore, and on one hand, he's probably exhausted. I mean, they probably took turns sleeping through the night, but, you know, but how, how restful was it? How restful was he from, from his trip there and back? This is probably something where Jesus is probably just a little bit tired, a little bit exhausted from, the, uh, from all the activity. And they get to the other side, and as soon as he gets on shore, he's immediately met by a man. Now, Jairus is a pretty important f- fellow in the, in the area. He's, he's one of the synagogue leaders, and he comes and he bows at Jesus' feet. He falls at Jesus' feet. He, he, he's in a place of, of humility. He's in a place of, of asking. He, he sees uh, the power and the person of who Jesus is, and he's like, Jesus is the one who can help me in this moment. And he falls at Jesus' feet, and he says, Jesus, my daughter, my only daughter, She's 12, and we don't know what she has, but, but she's dying. She's dying. The doctors can't do anything. We, they, they can't figure, have you ever heard a diagnosis like that? A diagnosis that, that is a soul crushing, a diagnosis that is, that, that, that is so deep, that is so hurtful, that there's uh, such a lack of, of hope. Jesus, will you, will you come and you, you heal my daughter? She's 12, she's dying, you come and heal her. And over the last few years, we've all experienced, we've all heard some pretty intense medical news. And and figuring out how to handle that and deal with that for ourselves and for our children. How do we we begin to to navigate this? And so I think we can kind of almost all put ourselves a little bit in Jairus' place. And we don't know what all was said, but it appears Jesus agrees. And so he goes along. He's like, hey, yeah, sure, I will go. And me, I don't know what Jesus had on his schedule that day. You know, we don't know he's supposed to show up and he was supposed to go to this place and do a little bit of teaching, go to this place and have some lunch he, or maybe make lunch for the people. And, and he, 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 where is he supposed to go? But whatever was on the schedule, that went off the schedule because of this request. He saw the crowds. He had compassion on them. But Jairus comes and says, I have this need. Will you come and see my daughter? And immediately Jesus zooms in on the need. He, 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 he makes his way to her house. And I'm pretty sure if you had a sick and dying daughter, that what you want is not only Jesus to show up, but you also want Jesus and his hundred closest friends, right? You know, you, he, you want all the people in Capernaum that day who want to see Jesus. You want everybody to show up at your house because at your house, there's someone who is sick and dying. No, I mean, but everyone's going because wherever Jesus is going, we're going with him. And so they begin to make their way through the streets of Capernaum. And I'm pretty sure they did, the, the streets weren't wide and broad. You know, it's probably not like you know, driving up and down the dual highway. Think of more like a, an old country road, right? You know, think, think of like some of the alleys downtown. You're, you're trying to get a large group of people through that place. And so they are, they are packed in and they're making their way through the streets of Capernaum to get to Jairus' house. And so they're all squished and they're smashed together and they're making their way along. 
the, 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 the closest thing I can think of it was a few years back, we, uh, went, down, we, were, we went down to D.C. for the 4th of July. Hey, let's go see the, 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 uh, the fireworks down at the mall and, and just see uh, all, you know, everything down there. And, and if you've ever been to D.C. on the 4th of July, uh, a lot of people show up at D.C. on the 4th of July. And so uh, we were on our way back out after uh, the, seeing the fireworks, and we were uh, essentially uh, herded into the metro trains like cattle. And it was hot. And it, it was sticky and there was a whole lot of people. And, and I, I think their deodorant had done worn off. Is that too much information? I'm sorry. Um, and so they were all just, we were all just kind of packed in there. And, and, and we, 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 the further we got out the, the, uh, away from the town, the, the, the train slowly began to uh, you know, empty out. And eventually like, we all had a place where we could sit and, and we were making our way to go. And eventually, like the air freshened up just a little bit. And so, but that's, I mean, you're all packed in there and they were packed through the streets trying to get to Jairus' house. And as they make their way along, all of a sudden, the crowd comes to a dead stop. And Jesus asks this question Who touched me? Who touched me? Right? And, 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 you know, you, you've probably been in those situations. You're, you're, you're walking with a crowd of people. Maybe you're going, you know, into a game. You're going, you're, you're wherever. You're just with a whole mass of humanity. And, and people are touching you. And you guys who touched me. And Peter's looking around going, Jesus, look around, dude. Everybody's touching you. We, 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 we don't have anywhere to go. We can't walk in a single file line. This is just, and Jesus is like, that's, that's not what it is. It's not that someone touched me. It uses that power went out from me. Power went out from me. This wasn't just a brush or a bump. It wasn't the, uh, you know, the pickpocket bump and snatch. Jesus felt power go out from him. I mean, moments ago, this whole crowd had been in motion, making their way through the streets of Capernaum, and now they were at a dead stop. In the crowd, there's one person, one person who knew exactly what happened. And when finally she realized they're not moving until I tell my story, she came and she told Jesus. She, when she could be noticed, when she realized she could not go unnoticed, she began to tell. She'd been subject to a condition of bleeding for 12 years, which is interesting because that's about as long as Jairus' daughter had been alive. I don't know if that, I don't, I don't know if those two coincide, but it's just kind of one of those interesting facts that, that while the, the length of time Jairus' daughter has been alive, this woman has been suffering from this condition. As Jesus w- 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 was walking along, he, he felt, she, she, she came and she touched the, the hem of his garment. She's like, if I, in one of the other gospels, she, she verbalized that. She was, I thought if I could just get close enough, just get close enough to touch, just to, just to touch. I might be healed. And she begins to tell her story. She begins to tell how she's seen, gone to see doctors and doctor after doctor. She's spent all of her money trying to find a cure. And there's been no hope. There's been no relief. There's been no healing. And this condition is not just a condition. It would have separated her from her husband. It would have separated her from, from worship. It would have separated her from her family and her children. Like anything she touched would have defiled them. If she touched them, she would have defiled them. I mean, there was this, this, this rift, this, this, this gap, this 
separation between her and everyone she loved. And she's been struggling with this for 12 years. And she thinks, man, if I can just get to Jesus, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. Here's an interesting question. Did Jesus really not know who touched him? Like, did this woman just like sneak a healing out of Jesus? Or maybe, maybe Jesus knew. Maybe Jesus knew exactly who she was and he, he was wanting her to, to reveal herself so he could fan her faith into flame. He wanted to, to acknowledge her. He wanted to acknowledge the steps that she went to. He wanted to acknowledge that her faith is what made her well. Or maybe Jesus didn't know, but maybe God did. So God sees this woman's faith and sees her step of faith. And and, and in that moment, he allows uh, through Jesus, her to be healed because of this woman's faith. She acted on, God knew he used uh, the power that he, that, that was in Jesus to provide the healing for her that day. We don't know. All we know is that when Jesus heals her, She's released from her stigma. She's reconnected to her family. She's reconnected to her community. When she realized she could no longer go unnoticed, she came and she trembled at his feet because she had been instantly healed. She makes her way out of the shadows. She tells her story, this deeply personal, intimate story. And now everyone knows. Now she's also been restored. And Jesus looks at her and says, daughter, Your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. She left feeling restored to her community, to her family, to her friends. But meanwhile, you have Jairus, right? Can you imagine Jairus? I'm sure Jairus is happy for this lady. He's happy that she, she has been healed. She's happy for the restoration that she's experienced. But deep down inside, the pit in his belly just keeps getting deeper, right? He's like, but my daughter. But he's probably wanting to, geez, remember, we're going to, see my, we're going to go see my daughter, my, my, my daughter. She's, and while they're waiting, Jairus receives the news no parent wants to hear. Your daughter has died. Your, da- your daughter has died don't bother the teacher anymore. And you can almost see Jairus begin to just be overwhelmed by the grief. She's, she's dead. His life is beginning to come crashing down. His only daughter has died. And Jesus looks at Jairus. says, don't be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. And in Jairus' mind, he's like, but she, he said dead. De- dead is like not living anymore. Like dead is the end. Like once you're dead, that's the end. But Jesus, hold, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. If you just believe, she will be healed. So they begin to make their way again. Kind of wonder what steps Jairus was taking. Were they hesitant? What were they hopeful? Was there a bounce in his step going, maybe there's good news in this after all. 
They begin to make their way through the streets. They get to Jairus's house and they, like all the mourners are there. Like, like there's like a, uh, you, you know, if, if, if we have someone, you know, if, if there's a new baby, if there's, if there is a, is a funeral, we, we bring food around, right? You know, we, we, we bring some gifts to, to, for, for the, the new baby. Well, back in, in, in their culture, they had professional mourners. So if someone in your house died, people would show up and just start crying. They may or may not know the person who died, but it was their job to show up and just start boohooing and singing the morning songs and all those sorts of things. And they would help. It was a community thing. It was a community grief. And so they were all there. All of them there. And, and Jesus looks at him and he's like, y'all just stop it. She's not dead. She's just asleep. And they laughed at him. Right? They, you know, they, 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 can you imagine how foolish they would feel that they laughed at Jesus? She's not dead. She said, but they, they knew she was dead. She, she, there's, there's no more. And Jesus goes in, he takes Peter, James, and John. He takes mom and dad. They go up to the room and, and Jesus grabs her hand and says, my child, get up. And with that, brings her back to life. Here's what we have. Jesus got off the boat to a huge crowd of people. We don't know what Jesus had on his schedule that day. But as Jesus began to make his way through, his wide angle lens zoomed in to focus on one man's daughter. Focus on one man's daughter. And based on her age and her gender, she had zero social influence. I mean, if she was a nobody of nobodies when it came to the social circles of life. Her father was a prominent individual, but that didn't get passed down to her. But because of his request, he zooms in. He's going to take care of this need. And so as they begin to make their way along, Jesus stops and adjusts his focus on another woman because she was healed by just the touch of his clothing. Her social status was also very small. She was also a woman. She had a medical condition that would have kept her from worshiping, would have kept her away from community. He stops and he focuses on her because through her faith, her body is healed. We have two individuals well down on the ladder of social status. And Jesus is willing to take his time and zoom in his focus to focus on these two needs. See, Jesus' zoom lens does not work like the paparazzi. He's not chasing down the celebrity types. He's not chasing down the rich or the famous, the movers, the shakers, those who are upwardly mobile. As you read through the gospels, as you look at the ministry of Jesus, the ones he most often gives his time to are those that can give him the least. See, in Jesus' day and time, women had virtually no social standing, virtually no social position. Yet long after a long day of ministry, Jesus is willing to put his whole day on hold to care for these two daughters of God. Wherever Christianity goes, wherever Christianity is the predominant religion, we see women's rights lifted. We see the position of women lifted in those societies, in those cultures. 
Is it perfect? It's not. We see that women are loved and daughters are loved and cared for at a much greater rate in a much greater way in in, in countries and places where Jesus is worshiped as God. So how can this story, how can this event in Jesus' life change the way we see the world around us? See, for far too often, we look at a return on investment. What will this conversation, what will this relationship, what will this opportunity net me? And will it be a large enough return that will justify the expense of my time, will justify the expense of my product, will justify the expense of my involvement? And see, Jesus never thought that way. Jesus never looked at things through that lens. He never looked and said, what can I get from that person? What can I gain from them? He only saw what he could do to improve the life of those around him. And see, too often we go through life with our wide angle lens. We see the whole, but we miss the opportunities to zoom in, to zoom to the level where we can have the impact on someone's life. See, Jesus literally stopped his world, stopped what he was doing to zoom in and to care for not one, but two of his daughters. And so as we uh, begin to think through our week, what will our week look look like today, this coming week? I challenge you, challenge you to pull out your zoom lens and see if you can find a need that you can meet on the ground level. It doesn't have to be a grand gesture. It doesn't have to cost you a lot of money. It doesn't have to cost you a lot of time. But is there something simple that you could do to improve someone's life around you? Is there something small that might carry a significant impact? See, when we begin to start to see our world one person at a time, we can begin to make the kind of impact that Jesus made on his world. When we begin, begin to look at the world one person at a time. See, they say the easiest way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time. I've never tried eating an elephant. I think, but I think the best way for us to impact the world around us is one person at a time. Over and over again through the gospels, we see that this is how Jesus begins to shape and change the world around him. It's Jairus's daughter. It's this woman. It's through the the healing of the demon possessed man. It's through uh, uh, impacting this family here, seeing uh, this person there where he would just stop what he was doing and zoom in and focus on the one. So often we look for the greater impact and we think we have to impact a whole group at one time. But Jesus says the greatest impact we can make is by zooming in on the one. And I think if it's good enough for Jesus, it probably should be good enough for us as well. And maybe, maybe today you need to respond to the love of Jesus. Maybe you need to respond to Jesus' one-at-a-time invitation to follow him. God wants to see everyone come to repentance, everyone to give themselves, to be baptized into him. And so maybe we need to respond to Jesus' invitation to, to join his team, to join his family. Maybe we need to Accept Jesus' invitation to, to serve the world around us, to serve those and begin to share our story with others. Maybe we need to, to, to uh, follow, in the footstep, follow in the footsteps of Jesus and 
begin to zoom in on those who are around us and see if there's some small place where we can begin to make a difference. Whatever invitation is that you need to respond to, and we'd love to help you take your next step. I'll be in the back after the service. You can talk to Mark or Jim or David. We'll be around to, to help uh, have a conversation about what your next step in your journey with Jesus might look like. Maybe today you, 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 you aren't quite ready for the conversation, but you uh, want to let us know maybe you're, you're at home and, and the way that uh, maybe what God is doing, God's doing something in your life and you need to tell someone about that. You can use the connection card at cchmd.com slash connect. And there in the next steps, you can uh, mark the appropriate box and, and we'll pray for you and we'll uh, follow up with you and we'll resource you that we might be able to help you take those next steps in your journey with him. He says, we leave here today. Let us use our zoom lens to focus in on the ones Jesus loves around us. Jesus zoomed in to focus on our life so much so that he would go to the cross just for the one of us. As we leave here today, may we have, may we see with his eyes and see the world around us that we might find the one who needs a touch from him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. Father, I thank you for your example for us. Father, the way that you loved uh, Jairus' daughter, the way you loved this woman, this unknown woman, this unnamed woman, who came out of the crowd, who, who through her faith was healed, but Father, you focused in on her and fanned her faith into flame, connected her, restored her to her community and to her family. Father, would you do the same for us? Would you connect us to yourself? Father, would you call us? Would you, would you, would you beckon us? Would you lead us? Would you draw us to yourself that we might walk in step with you? Father, would you help us as we leave here today? That Father, you would uh, put on our heart to zoom in on the one, to find those around us who, who have great need. Would you help us to, to meet them where they are? Father, not that we would abandon the crowd. You had compassion on the crowd, but Father, you had impact on the one. Would you help us to focus our eyes on the one and be about your business, the people business, caring for your children who are both far away and near to you. Or would you use us this week to draw others to yourself? It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And we hope you have a great week. We, uh, hope for, hope, we look forward to seeing you next Sunday.